0: praise the lord why don't we start with the word of prayer i know that god has much to communicate to us let's pray father in heaven thank you again so much for the gift of the sabbath lord forgive us that we don't realize how valuable these gifts are lord we just pray and ask that you would bless us with the holy spirit that the greatest of all teachers and preachers would be here to comfort to uphold to sustain and support us and to cheer us to, God. Thank you, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, you know, it's very interesting. Usually when divine providence happens, it usually happens instantaneously, very quick. Many times you may be unaware that providence is taking place until after a providence has taken place. But there's some providence that I want to share with you. We are in the middle, we should say, I'm in the middle of some divine providence. I'm not quite sure how this is going to turn out, but I'm going to share it with you. It's very interesting. I've been interested in a dehydrator. Does anybody know what a dehydrator is? (laughs) Okay, how many people here have a dehydration device? Yes, very good. Okay, so a dehydrator is basically uh, this box where you put like fruit in, you put it in, and you turn the fan on. And it heats up to a certain temperature, and voila, you pull it out, and there you have dried fruit. You can get dried vegetables, you can make banana chips, all sorts of things you can do with a dehydrator. Well anyways, I was between some appointments that I had yesterday morning, and I was doing some research on a dehydrator. I'm always about health, making sure I'm trying to stay healthy. And part of health is diet. That's not all there is to, to health, but that's part of health so i was thinking okay i want to get a dehydrator i don't want to spend the full amount i'm very cheap and so what i did is i went on craigslist anybody know what craigslist is amen know what craigslist is okay very good so i was checking out dehydrators and remember what i said we're i'm in the middle of some divine providence. i'm not quite sure how this is going to turn out we'll just find out next sabbath (laughs) so I'm there, I'm, I'm on my desk, and I find this dehydrator, it's called the Excalibur 301 Deluxe Nine Tray Edition. So uh, anyway, so I see it, and it's fairly cheap. So I was like, okay, this is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna call them up. Call them up once, didn't answer. Call them up a second time, didn't answer. And usually I have this thing, if someone doesn't answer the first time, I'm gonna call them again, right afterwards. So I called them again, didn't answer. So I said, you know what, maybe I'll just text them. So I decided to text them. I said, hey, I'm interested in a dehydrator. Um, is it still available? Five minutes later, I get a call. And the call, and a lady speaks and she says, are you interested in that dehydrator? I said, yeah, yeah, I just texted you. And she's like, this is really strange. And I go, what's so strange about this? She said, I got a text from you. And I go, okay. She's like, I canceled my text messaging plan one year ago. And I said, so you haven't gotten a text for one year. She's like, I have not received a single text message for an entire year. And she said, it's odd that your text message went through. At that moment, I'm the red lawn. And I said, wait a second. I said, I'm a pastor. Did you know that? <laughs> you know, it was really abrupt. Don't know what to say at times like that. And she says, really? And I start talking with her and I said, you know, the Lord's hand, you know, is in, a, in all these things. And uh, she says, really, that's very interesting. I said, I'm interested in the dehydrator. I'll call you Sunday. And she's like, okay, very good. Thank you so much. So I get off the phone, I'm thinking to myself, I wonder how this is gonna turn out. In the middle of Providence. In the middle of Providence. Folks, I wanna let you guys know something. Every week, Providence is taking place. Providence is happening in our lives like never before. And God is calling us to recognize it because when we begin to recognize providence, we can get on board to what God is doing. Can you say amen to that? And it's exciting to see what's happening in our church. And we're going to see God do some wonderful things. There's still the remainder of the year. We've seen God do some powerful things in the first six months. And I believe that God is going to do some even more powerful thing the last six months. But guess what? He doesn't just want you to see providence in my life. He wants to put providence in your life. He wants you to recognize it and be part of it. Can you say amen to that? Now, if I was to ask you a question just to test you guys, this would be the question. Have you recognized God's providence this last week? Have you recognized God's providence or have you been weighed down by the cares of of the world that you have missed God's providence? You know, it's like the man who went out to go, I always use this analogy, he went out to go to an art gallery, he gets there, and he's looking at this beautiful picture, but all of a sudden he gets distracted by this little fly, and the whole time he's looking at the fly and he's missing the beautiful picture. Folks, I want to let you know something. Each and every week, God is painting something wonderful. Can you say amen to that? And if you want to get on board when it comes to Providence, one of the things I want to recommend to you is take a good look. There's our, our church newsletter that was started a few months ago. It's called The Pulse. It's called the what? the pulse right and right now it seems the pulse of the church is kind of dead you know so what you need to do is take a good look at what's taking place in our church and you'll get excited about all the wonderful things i really encourage you to seek out alfred Doulet if you have something substantial to share a way that god has blessed you we want to be part of it amen and we'll see how god continues to lead Alright, well this morning we're going to be talking about something very interesting. The name of the message is called Leading or what? Bleeding, leading or bleeding. Very interesting title and you'll discover why. But the sermon is called Leading or Bleeding. After several confirmations from the Lord this week, I really felt that he was leading me to talk about this subject. We're obviously going to be talking about Christian leadership here. So this is only for those who are called to Christian leadership. Okay? Now, you're thinking to yourself, Anel, you are not even 35 years old. What do you know about leadership? Folks, I don't stand here as somebody who does know everything there is about leadership. I'm still growing. I'm still learning. I still make plenty of mistakes. I still goof up all the time. But guess what? I'm going to share some things that the Lord has taught me. I also borrow some language from Maxwell as well, who's a leadership guru. But there's some powerful things that you're going to discover in this sermon. Leading or bleeding. When it comes to leadership, leadership is very important. I'm going to ask a question. I'd like somebody to raise their hand. What is your definition of leadership? How about you, Jim? (laughs) Someone who leads. It's like that frustrating Webster's Dictionary. (laughs) Go see what leader is. Okay. All right. Very good. Anybody else? What is the definition? Elias? To lead by example. Okay. Okay. Someone who delegates. In your definition, what does leadership... Scott? Yes. Very good. Okay. How about you? Ah, oh, wonderful. Very good. Seeing some wonderful examples, a lot of different angles that help us understand about leaders. But here's the thing. God has called everybody here to be a leader. If you have some type of influence, you are a leader. Now you may think to yourself, there is no influence that I have. Wrong. Every person here has influence. If you are part of a family, you have influence. If you have friends, you have influence. If you work in a job, you have influence. If you are coming to church, you have influence. If you're part of a ministry, you have influence. When you're driving somebody in a car to the barbershop or to the church, you have influence. And if you have influence, you are a leader. So now I'm going to ask a question. How many leaders do we have in this church? Raise your hand. Okay, very good. There's still a small unconvinced number over there in that corner. So let's pray for them. (laughs) But here's the thing I want you guys to understand. The Bible has several principles of leadership. I'm not going to be talking about policies. I'm going to be talking about principles of leadership. There's not enough time in this sermon to talk about that. But what we're going to hone in is some key things when it comes to leadership. Because how many leaders do we have here? Raise your hand. Ah, Good. A little bit more this time. Okay. There are key biblical principles of leadership. And when we begin to discover what they are, we will reap all the blessings that God has for us. It is part of the plan of God to give us that which we would not have had we not asked. Folks, God wants us to ask for His blessings. Amen? And I really believe, as I look out to this group, I see a group of powerful leaders here. A group of powerful leaders here. You know, I was reading about some Native American tribal warfare, and it's very interesting. Whenever one tribe was going against another tribe, they would look for the chief. They would look for the who? The chief. And the way they would recognize the chief was by his headdress. And so when it came out to war, when they go on to war, they'd be targeting the guy with the biggest headdress. They knew that if they got him, the entire leadership of the clan would completely dissipate and they would be defeated. So they would be looking for the guy with the biggest headdress. They knew that leadership was very important. And when you strike the head, the body falls apart. And the devil knows this as well, folks. And since he has called each one of you to be leaders in series, in Modesto, in this world, in our influence, God wants us to realize that there are some principles that we need to incorporate in our life. Because the question is not whether or not you are a leader, the question is whether or not you are a good leader. So let's find out some interesting key principles when it comes to leadership. Now the first principle I want to talk about is something called the law of what? Magnetism. The law of magnetism. And this is a key principle when it comes to leadership. It's very simple. Who you are will determine your what? Leadership. In other words, it's not about position. It's about disposition. So your character will define the capacity of leadership that you have. Who you are will determine your leadership abilities. And folks, if you're leading somebody to Christ, you are a leader. And how many people has God called to lead others to Christ? Everybody. So you are a leader. So pay attention to this first thing. The law of magnetism basically states this, who you are will determine your leadership. Who you are will determine your leadership. Now let's take a good look at an example in the Bible. Everybody take your Bible, let's go to 1 Samuel. I want you to see somebody who exemplifies the law of magnetism. 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel. And we are going to chapter 22. 1 Samuel chapter 22. And if you're there, go ahead and say amen. We're going to take a good look at somebody who exemplified the law of magnetism. 1 Samuel chapter 22. Let's start with verse 1. 1st Samuel chapter 22 starting with verse 1 and this is what the Bible says the context is simply this David was being chased by Saul he was appointed to be king but Saul was not going to let it happen David had been pursued from cave to village to forest he was constantly on the run from Saul but watch what the Bible says in his journeys in his pilgrimages starting with verse 1 David therefore what? departed from there and escaped to the cave Adullam. So when his brothers and all his spouse house heard it, they went down there to him. So I want you to pay attention to this, okay? Who is David attracting to his leadership? His family. In other words, his family is now being attracted to his leadership. But let me ask you a question. When David first started out, was he the attraction of his family? How do you know that? Yeah, he was the least. Even when Samuel came to visit and says, I'm going to anoint one of your sons as a prophet. You know where David was? He was hanging out with the sheep. In fact, the dad didn't even bother to bring him up when he was showing him his sons. But now I want you to pay attention. David's leadership has grown through these trials and that now his family wants to spend time with him. Well, let's see what else happens in the law of magnetism. And everyone who was in What? Distress. everyone who was in debt and everyone who was discontented gathered to him. So he became a captain over them and there were about 400 men with him. Now I want you to pay attention to this. What type of men did David attract to him? Troubled men, those who were in debt. Now we have any people in debt? (laughs) We have anybody who's discontented. Does anybody know the definition of the word discontented? If I ask Jim, he'll say it's the opposite of being content. Okay, but don't miss this. The type of men that were being attracted to David, were they awesome men? Were they having a great time in their lives? No! The Bible makes it very clear. These men were distressed. They were discouraged. They were depressed. They were in debt. I mean, it's describing most of America right now. Middle-class America right here. And apparently, they sought David out. They wanted to be where David was at. And where was David at? In a cave. Now, let me ask you a question. Has anybody ever turned to their spouse and said, honey, I want to live in a cave, will you follow me? But guess what? David so exemplified the law of magnetism that his people were willing to say, we'll go be in the cave with you. In fact, the Bible says he became a captain over them. They said to David, they said, we not only want to be with you and hang out with you, we actually want you to, to be our captain. David exemplified the law of leadership that's called the law of magnetism. In other words, because of who he was, is why he attracted other people. Because of his character. And David exemplified three quality characteristics, three things I want to share with you. He exemplified humility. He exemplified what? Humility. He exemplified holiness. He exemplified... Let me check the paper actually. (laughs) Sometimes I can remember things, sometimes I cannot. Here it is. Humility, holiness, ready for the third one? Honesty. These three things David exemplified. He didn't go out looking for leadership because of who he was. You see in the very interactions that David had, he was honest, he was humble. Like John the Baptist, I must decrease, but he must increase. And he was holy. When it came to worship of God, He bowed down in reverence. If you wanted to find somebody who was passionate about God, it was David. But guess what? If you were to look at David, you would think to yourself, he would not fit our classic motif or our classic picture of a mighty leader. He was a humble man. Folks, I want you to pay attention to this because this is extremely important. Your character determines your leadership. Your character determines your influence. And if you have things in your character that you know are not right, you need to pray and ask Jesus to take those things away so that you may be a greater witness to others. Do you remember what Jesus said? He said, I sanctify myself that others might be sanctified. He was praying, God, do this work in my own heart that others may be helped. When I I told you about this, whenever I go and I pray for the conversion of my family, you know what God always does? He says, and now you need to change this. One week I was going down to my family and I was like, Lord, you need, to, you need to save these pagans. And God says, I will, but I need you to do something. You need to get rid of your anger right now. It's interesting. We are the hindrance to God's plans. But when you take a good look at the life of David, in fact, by the way, if you read 2 Samuel chapter 23, you ever read about David's mighty men? One guy killed a lion with a spear. Another man took on a giant. Another man, these three men were defending a field of onions. Onions, and they slaughtered so many. One guy got into a fight that he could not pry his hands off the sword. The Bible calls them David's mighty men. But guess what? Do you know what the mighty men were before they became mighty? Individuals who were distressed, individuals who were in debt, and individuals who were discontented. But because of the law of magnetism, because of the type of person David was, because he exemplified characteristics of God, people wanted to be around him, and when they were around him, they started to be changed into him. These mighty men were not mighty in the beginning. But as they continued to be with David, they developed courage and fortitude and passion about God. And then when it came to taking on their own giants, they defeated even greater giants than the giants David took on. When he came on to fighting, came to fighting Philistines, they defeated greater Philistines, had greater victories. They did even more than David did because they learned to develop the same qualities as David did holiness, honesty, humility. Folks, these things are rare this day, these days, but David exemplified it. In fact, let's find out a little bit more about David in the law of magnetism. Take your Bible, go to 1 Samuel again. I want you to see something in 1 Samuel chapter 13. David's leadership came at a time when another man's leadership was being rejected. His name was Saul. But pay attention to King Saul and what God says to him when he confronts King Saul. 1 Samuel chapter 13. Let's start with verse 13. Samuel said to Saul, You have done foolishly. Now I want you to pay attention to the logic. It's very simple. You have not kept the what? Commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own what? Okay, so God tells Saul, I'm rejecting you. Because now I'm looking for somebody who's going to take your place. He's going to be a man after my own what? Heart. So David was a man after his own what? Let's keep going. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart, whom the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people because you have not kept what the Lord has commanded you. Now pay attention to this logic, it's very simple. Saul, I'm rejecting you because you were not keeping the commandments of God. I'm going to replace you with somebody who has a heart like me. So what's the obvious conclusion? What was in David's heart? He was somebody who had the commandments of God in his heart. This is why David said, I delight to do your will, your what is in my heart? Law. The character of Christ was in the heart of David. This is why God could say, with all his faults, with all his deficiencies, he was somebody who was somebody like me. A man after my own heart. And when people saw the 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 mercy of David and they saw the justice of David and when they saw his poetic side and then they saw his warrior side, men began to be attracted to him. People begin to follow him. The whole city, the whole nation began to say, there is no king like David. In actuality, they were glorifying God because of the type of person David was. So here's the first thing to understand when it comes to leadership. Who you are will determine your leadership. Who you are will determine your leadership. Now watch the second law. It's very simple. It's called the law process. Leadership develops what? Daily, not in a what? Day. There are no leaders that are born overnight. Except for Jesus. Amen? But leadership is something that has to be developed, something that is constantly in a process. If God has called you to be leader, and I know He has because of the Word of Scripture, He calls you to continually develop and grow. There are some people who get into leadership positions, and this is all they know how to do. They stay in the exact same rut, they go down the exact same paths, they take the same streets to the same location, talk to the exact same people, have the exact same persona, the same replies, the same answers, the same questions and who they are is they cannot be changed to their exact same person but leadership is something that you have to develop constantly if God has called you to be a leader he is calling you to be somebody who is constantly refining somebody who is constantly being refined you know one of the hardest things to do I'll tell you about being a pastor you ready for this is when I meet on Monday with my head elder you say what do you what's so hard about that it's Scott went he's a good guy I appreciate Scott's honesty because he begins to critique me. And for about an hour, no, it's a little bit of an exaggeration, three hours, no. He's actually very nice to me. I appreciate Scott, he's one of the greatest blessings in my life. He's honest with me about my leadership. I let him critique me, I give him that permission and I appreciate it because he shares things with me that I know I need to grow on. You know, oftentimes we can't even see the dirt on our own face. What makes us think that we're going to see the dirt in our own heart? So what God does, he puts mentors in our lives, people who will critique us, people who are concerned with us. Scott is not somebody who is critical, but he is somebody who critiques. You know what the difference is? Someone who's critical is somebody says, you're doing something wrong, I can't help you. And they walk away. But somebody who critiques you, who's concerned about you, says, this is an area that you need to improve on, but I want to help you. I want to help you. So in your leadership, you have to be honest. You have to ask people to be honest with you and you have to say, okay, where do I need to improve? If we're not willing to improve, guess what? We're going outside the will of God because the word disciple means learner and we are to be eternal learners. Can you say amen to that? And if we can't listen to someone's concerns and then willing to encourage us, something's really wrong. Now take your Bible, I'm gonna show you somebody who was learning the law process. His name was Moses. Take your Bible, go to Exodus chapter 18. Exodus chapter 18. I want you to see how Moses exemplified the law of process. He was somebody who knew that he needed to develop continually in order for him to be the man that God called him to be. He had to receive advice, counsel from other people. But I want you to pay attention to Moses' humility in this process. Go to Exodus chapter 18. Exodus chapter 18. And let's start with verse 13. Jethro goes to go visit Moses. But watch what happens in this encounter as they spend some time together. Moses tells uh, Jethro... So pay attention, watch what happens. Look what it says in verse 13. And so it was on the next day that Moses sat to judge the people. And the people stood before Moses from morning until what? Evening. So Moses' father-in-law saw all that he did for the people and he said, What is this thing that you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit and all the people stand before you from morning until what? Evening. And Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a difficulty, they come to me, and I judge between one and another, and I make known the statutes of God and his laws. But that's not what I want to hone in on. I want to hone in on exactly how Jethro helps Moses in the law process. Pay attention to to Jethro's language, and you're going to see how Jethro encourages Moses at the same time critiquing him. So Moses' father-in-law said to him, the thing that you do is not good. Can you imagine that? Here's Moses, he's leading millions of people, and here's Jethro, he's leading sheep. And he's getting advice from somebody like that. And the first thing that comes out of Jethro's mouth is what? Yeah, your leadership is horrible. It's not good. But Moses doesn't interrupt and says, you stop right there, sheep herder. Watch what happens next. Both you and these people who are with you will surely wear yourselves for this thing is too much for you for you are not able to perform it by yourself listen now to my voice I will give you counsel and what is that next phrase? God will be with you now is Jephthah encouraging in his critiquing of Moses yes or no? yes he is he's saying look listen to what I'm going to tell you and God's going to be with you through this He's encouraging, he's not just saying... By the way, here's the thing I want you guys to understand about Seventh-day Adventists. We know how to disagree and we know how to disagree well. But we don't know how to disagree well and keep on loving well too. It's just like, I know, I don't agree with you, I disagree with you and we we want nothing to do with it. But Jethro was the type of man says, Moses I disagree with your leadership but I want to help you in this process too. Folks, sometimes people out in the world are better Christians than the Christians inside the church. We've lost our basic sense of Christian character and being gentlemen and ladies and having manners to people, being polite to people. We've lost that where it's almost scarier to sit down in the pew wondering what the person next to you might be thinking or, or be offended by and you go out to Walgreens and the people treat you better. Folks, I want you to understand something. The place where God's love needs to be most manifested is in this place. So the things that are in your heart, the offenses that you have, someone who bumped into you wrong or who talked to a person you didn't like, folks, you need to lay it aside. And especially for the sake of the new people. And be very firm with you on this. New people are watching your example. And when they come into this church and they see unchristian character, folks, you need to take it up with the Lord because He has issue with you. He has big issue with you. When it comes to new people, we need to treat them like the royalty God has made them to be by the death of His Son. Amen? Well, watch what else Jethro says to Moses. Pay attention to the critique. Stand before God for the people so that you may bring the difficulties to God. And you shall teach them the statutes and the laws and shall show them the way in which they should walk with the work they must do. Moreover, you shall select from all the people able men such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. And let them judge the people at all times. And it shall be that every great matter they shall bring to you, but every small matter they themselves shall judge. And it will be easier for you, for they will bear the burden with you. And if you do this thing God so commands you, then you will be able to endure, and all the people will also go to their place in peace. Now, page Attention to the next verse. It's so powerful. Now Moses heeded the voice of his father-in-law. Now I'm going to ask a question. You don't need to answer. How many people here get in, lo- lo- get in, uh, are, are good with their in-laws? <laughs> Few people, right? You didn't even have to raise your hand. That's okay. It's good if you are. But guess what, Moses. Listen to his in-law. He knew Jethro was a godly man and he knew the counsel that Jethro was giving to him. Was, look folks, here's the thing to understand. Sometimes we forget the counsel of godly people in our lives. If you have questions in your life, if you need advice, if you need to know how to make something better that you are accomplishing in your life, ask someone who is godly in your life and be willing to take it without being offended by it. Folks, one of my mentors, she's a woman who who's married to the evangelism director of Southern Adventist University. She has a counseling degree and Lord knows I need to counselor in my life. And she will critique me like nobody else if I give her permission. And when I give her permission, she says, "Anel, you want to improve in this era? Here's a few things that you're doing wrong. Here's a big list. But guess what? At the end of it, I'm not offended. Sure, my heart's pushed. It's been cut up a little bit. I said, you know what? This is the law process. I need to be a better leader. And if I can't take advice, then I'm not going to be the person God's called me to be. So find somebody who is godly in your life and say, I want you to be honest with me. I'm not going to be offended, I want you to tell me is this what I'm doing wrong. Moses understood the law process and it wasn't so much that he needed to learn delegation, it was what he needed to understand. He needed to take advice. He was somebody who exemplified the law process and he knew it. The only way for him to improve and not die at an early age was to take the advice of Jethro. But if he was somebody who said to Jethro, I'm not taking your advice, you've been gone out of my life, you've had my wife for a long period of time, you herd sheep, I have millions of people under me. I can't carried the rod of god the ark he would have missed he probably would have died a lot earlier A lot earlier the law process folks leadership develops daily not in a day it's very interesting part of this is studying your Bible every single day can you say amen to that the Bible calls the word a sword right and there's a big difference between a butcher's knife and a surgeon's knife right a surgeon's knife cuts to heal a butcher's knife cuts to kill and when you spend time in the Word of God every single day the Word of God begins to cut away the draw set of your life and God is refining you constantly but if you close the Bible and you keep it away from you folks that refining doesn't take place and God has to resort to other means so spending time in the Bible daily letting God through his Holy Spirit do the refining is extremely important have the nerve and the courage to say to God Lord I want you to show me where I am doing wrong and folks you will know where you're doing wrong but if you follow the counsel of God you will be a better leader by the way how many people has God called to be leaders Raise your hand. Everybody. And the person who doesn't raise their hand, who thinks they are not a leader, you're a great leader. You've recognized humility. It's so funny, I heard one of the presidents at one of the roasts, he was saying to everybody, my greatest talent, greatest gift is humility. The law of connection. The law of connection. We've learned about the law of what? Magnetism. Your character determines the capacity of leadership. Now what is the law process? Leadership develops what? every single day sanctification is not the it is a continuous work and if we cannot we say to God you cannot do this folks we are inhibiting the leadership that God wants to give us the influence that God wants to give us now pay attention to the law of connection it's very simple it goes like this everyone communicates but few what connect when I was down in Southern California when I was you know growing up there and dealing with the family you know how we would solve issues I hate you close the door and run off. And then we wait a few days, see the person, ignore them. And it wasn't until somebody else got offended who wasn't part of the original offense that we could team up again to deal with them. Folks, here's the thing to understand. In leadership, communication is absolutely key. Connection is extremely important. There's a lot of people who can talk and a lot of people who communicate, but only few can connect with individuals. Did you know that when Jesus would preach, Ellen White hones in on something. She says, even though he would speak to the crowd, what made his preaching so powerful? It was as if he was speaking to one individual. You know who Doug Batchelor is? You guys knew Doug Batchelor, right? One day, I wanted some advice from Doug Batchelor. I was at his church. And I and I was like, okay, I'm gonna find him after this service that he did, and I'm gonna ask him how can I become a better preacher. And so I found him and I caught him and just cut him off and say, Pastor Batchelor, how can I become a better preacher? And it was so funny. I think I shared this story. All of a sudden, someone turned on the spotlight and it was just shining in from back of his bald head, just shining out. Someone was practicing on the piano. So as soon as he began to talk, there was this light shining and someone was playing piano nicely. It was heavenly. And so he began to say to me, he says, Anel, when you learn to speak to me, when you learn to speak to others like the way you speak to me, you're gonna become a better speaker. He says, you're seeking connection right now, one-on-one, and you're comfortable like that. You need to learn to be comfortable when you're speaking before groups. Let people know that you are speaking to them individually. How you doing? People ought to feel that. And I think one of the reasons why God blesses the series church is because it is a church where you don't just feel communicated to, you feel connected. You're part of not just the organization, but the organism itself. Can you say amen to that? So here's the thing you need to understand when it comes to leadership is ask yourself this question. Have I been communicating as the leader that God has called me to be? Have I been connecting with the people in my sphere of influence? Or have I been pushing them away or keeping them at a distance? Now, Ask yourself that question. Are you connecting with people in your sphere of influence? Or are you keeping them at a distance? You see folks, Jesus wants to teach you to connect with people, to go all out. You know, one of the worst things I have as a uh, pastor is this nasty, nasty habit. And it goes like this, it's very simple, very simple. When someone comes to me with a problem and they say, no, pastor no, I have this problem. Can you talk to me right now? I said, okay, I'm listening. And they begin to share what's going on in their life. I'll be like, yeah Uh uh-huh go ahead i'm listening to you your life is falling apart yeah i know what that's like and so i was like okay okay hold on one second yeah so what were you saying it's rude it's mean folks and i have this habit. i'm not gonna lie so do most of you folks here's the thing we've got to regain communication with people again we can't keep people on notice i told my secretary kara i told her i said from now on if you sense tone in anybody whose email comes to you, any sort of tone or aggressiveness, don't email them Mac. I want you to pick up the phone and call them. No more communicating through emails with problems. No more communicating with text messages. Well, that's the way we have operated for the last five years, most of us. But guess what? God says, enough of that. If you have a problem, you talk to them in person or you call them on the phone. Can you say amen to that? That will solve most of your problems. I guarantee it instead of just sending text messages that are curse words to other people. Folks, if you have a problem with somebody, deal with it, give them a call, go visit them and you will find your problems will dissipate faster than anything. Learn to connect, we have to regain connection with people. And Jesus was somebody that when He talked to a person, He could be in the midst of a crowd but they felt He was the only one there. The only one there. And I know you guys don't expect me to reach all of Series and Modesto. I'm expecting you to do that. We have got to do that. We have got to regain connection with people. And God is calling us to do that. To go all out. To reach the individual. There was a man who said, I can be, defeat the entire British army. He said, how are you going to do that? By killing one soldier at a time. One soldier at a time. Person by person, God calls us in our ministry. So you have the law of magnetism, you have the law of process, you have the law of what? Connection. The law of what? Connection. I want you to see this. This is extremely important. What you need to understand, here is the main principle when it comes to the law of connection. Do not forget this. Your job is to add value to people's lives. Can you say amen to that? Add value to people's lives. Now watch how Jesus exemplifies the law of connection. Go to Mark chapter 7. I want you to see how Jesus adds value to people in his communication. In all his communication, we are going to Luke, actually, Luke chapter 7, verse 43. This is a very interesting situation. There was a woman. Most scholars believe she was Mary, and one of the reasons why her name is not mentioned is because it would be an embarrassment to her. But in this particular instance, Mary sees Jesus. Now watch what happens. It's very interesting. Mary starts washing the feet of Jesus, and everyone starts looking at disdain, at this pitiful woman, and they think to themselves, who is this worthless, useless woman, and what is she doing here? That was their value of humanity. That was their value of humanity. And so Jesus gives this parable where He begins to exalt this woman. But what happens at the end of the parable is very interesting. Pay attention to verse 43. Simon answered and said, I suppose the one who forgave more. And he said, you have rightly judged. In other words, good answer. Ding, 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 44. He turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I have entered in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil therefore I say to you her sins which are many are forgiven for she loved much but to whom little is forgiven the same loves little then Jesus says to her something so awesome your sins are what forgiven who was he speaking to he was speaking to a prostitute that had been violated by these Pharisees who was treated and valued as nothing but Jesus turns to this woman who socially was seen as an outcast and he says to her your sins are forgiven you know what he essentially was saying you're clean you're clean and can you imagine when that woman just felt immediately this sense of peace for the first time in her life? You're clean. You're clean. But what was she doing? At the feet of Jesus, washing his feet with her own tears. He added value. Now ask yourself this question. In your sphere of influence, are you building people up or are you destroying people? Are you bleeding people or are you leading people? Are you adding value to their lives or do they feel more devalued? In your sphere of influence, ask yourself that question. Watch what Jesus says at the end of this. And those who sat at the table began to say to themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And then he said to the woman, Your faith has what? Saved you. Go in peace. Go in peace. Go in peace. You know, when I was down in Southern California, like I said, we'd solve our problems through fighting and stuff. And this is how we'd solve all problems. It still happens to this day. We still have older adults fighting like kids. But God says, you're going to go down there? You need to exemplify Christ. So I pray for the Holy Spirit. Go down there, and when someone speaks to me and knows what buttons to press, you know what buttons those are, right? It's called the I get angry button. They press those buttons. God has laid it on my heart. You do not reply in a very angry way. You are very consistent and calm in your communication. Let them know that you are forgiving in all your communication. And Lord knows there ain't nobody like family who can press those buttons. Amen? And when they press that button and you're thinking to yourself right now, I'm just going to give it to them right now. You need to be consistent in your communication. Not explosive, not scaring them away, but be consistent and calm. So my mom, I'm going to tell you the button that it's you need to get married button. (laughs) So every time I go down Southern California, no joke, every time I, it's like you get it here and I I get it there too. And so when I get down every single time, no joke, when are you getting married? And so what they'll do is they'll sit me down. And there will be my sister and my mom right here. And then my uncle joins them too. And whenever it goes still for just a moment, I know the question's about to come up. Without a doubt, it just comes up exactly when I time it. And there's just a moment of silence. When are you getting married? And I've answered that question. I don't even know how to answer it anymore. But I've learned just in my reply, God will show me. And they're like, who are you going to marry? (laughs) Look at you, you're getting older. They told me I had a lot of gray hair. And I know it's just like... There's nothing I can do about it to them. I can't convince them. And I just, it irritates me because of when they just confront. Because this is what they'll say to me. We'll go to India and we'll come back with a wife. (laughs) Every single time. Every single time. I don't know how to answer the question any other way. But I know and I believe that one day they're going to be converted. And my witness as they're talking to me is extremely important. And that's why Peter says... Don't act like the world. Let your conversation be without com- covetousness. So when you are brought to the point where you are about to explode, let Jesus dwell in your heart at that moment. And let your reply be seasoned with salt. Amen? Because I guarantee this. By the time this Sabbath is done, you're going to be tested. Law of empowerment. Law of empowerment. What is the law of empowerment? Secure leaders give what? Give power away. Now take your Bible. I want you to just pay attention to this. Okay, This is really exciting. And go to... Let's go to this story, actually. Let's go to Mark chapter 3. I want you to see something very interesting. We got one last law after this, but let's hurry up. Let's go to... What verse did I say? Thank you, I forgot. Okay. Mark chapter what? Three. Amen. Amen. Now, I want you to pay attention to this, okay? Secure leaders give power away. In other words, secure leaders are not afraid of giving others responsibilities. But pay attention to the adjective secure leaders what's that word again secure what's it mean to be secure it means you're not afraid you're not afraid you know as a pastor sometimes i have to let people do something that i know they're gonna horribly fail at but guess what i know if they get back up they're gonna do better they may fall again they get back up they may do a little bit better. But I know that Jesus will lead them. Let's see what Jesus does. Now pay attention to verse 13. And he called upon the mountain and called to those, him, those he himself wanted. Now who did he call upon the mountain? Those who he wanted. Now watch the type of people that Jesus called. And you would think, oh, what a bunch of losers. And they came to him. He appointed 12 that they might be with him, that he might send them out to preach and to what? Uh, have power. He was empowering them to heal sicknesses, to cast out demons. Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, that means little rolling pebble. James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the son, brother of James, to whom he gave the names of Bojanaris. Now I want you to pay attention to this, okay? he gave names to three disciples one group was called the sons of the thunder it wasn't something that was polite or it wasn't something that was positive and the other name wasn't positive either he was essentially saying to them here are some qualities that are in your life you're going to be named after those qualities anger management over here and you someone who is very indecisive or unstable so he basically gives them those names and you know why he spent time with these three why he was always with this inner circle While the other disciples got jealousy because they needed more work than anybody else. They needed more work. And they misjudged the fact that he would have this inner circle. They didn't understand he was trying to help them. And he was misjudged. Well, let's see what else Jesus calls. Or who else Jesus calls? Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, the son of Aphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who also what? Betrayed him. Now let me ask you a question. Did Jesus call all the right people who had the right potential, who had all the right gifts and the right personas and temperaments? No. These people who are horrible. Can you hire somebody who you know is going to backstab you? Now notice this. The verse actually states it before it actually took base. Jesus was not unaware of this he was aware of this which is so incredible because it tells you about his empowering he wasn't looking for perfect people who were talented he was looking for people who are willing even those who had the potential to hurt him and so Jesus gives him power he was secure he wasn't worried he knew that his life was in the hands of God there are some people when they're in ministries or in their influence in their sphere of influence they become jealous of giving power away no I don't want this person to do this they're gonna mess up You know, I found out three reasons why people don't give power away, why they don't give responsibilities away. You ready for this? Three reasons. Here they are. Number one, job security. They're afraid of losing their job. That's the primary reason. They're afraid they're going to lose their position. I don't give responsibility away because they might do a better job than me. Number two, resistance to change. Resistance to change. And number three, lack of self-worth. Lack of self-worth. Folks, I want you to understand some. This is extremely important. In leadership, in ministry, you need to give power away. You need to learn to delegate to people who you know may not do a good job. In fact, when you do it, you may see some things that are going to mess you up and you're going to feel so bad about it. But as they continue to grow, you will be blown away by God. What, what God does. Do you remember the first time I told you that someone let me speak? Remember that story? You've heard it a million times. The pastor said to Anel, he says, Anel, I'm going to let you speak. I walk up here. Do a tithes and offering, tithes and offering. I messed up so bad, he actually had to come up and finish it for me. Two minutes, I actually froze, I stopped speaking in the middle of it. Folks, but what if he never gave me the chance? What if he was so concerned that there may be some attention drawn to himself away from himself? I would not be growing in my gifts or talents. So in your leadership, in your influence, start asking yourself the question: who can I give responsibilities away? and when you begin to trust them, even though you may know they may mess up and you're going to get the blame risk it risk it risk it and you will see what God does and God will take somebody who's so unlikely and He will do powerful things in their life you may think you're not talented but if God calls you to be part of something folks you'll see what He does can you say amen to that? Amen Now let's see something very interesting. It's actually a very interesting story. We're winding down. It's the story of Henry Ford. Now what's interesting about this, Henry Ford developed the what? The Model T, right? First car, right? You guys all driving cars here because of what he did. Did you know that when they actually developed a prototype, a newer version that was more efficient than the Model T, they actually brought it to him, but you know what he did? He got so angry by it, he actually began to tear it apart. He was starting to break everything on it and it wasn't because the car was less efficient it was actually more efficient it was because he was threatened so you know what happened? his son took over and his son had the same insecurities and when his son was taking, finally he was taking over the company was losing one million dollars every single I think it was month or week I'm guessing month back then he was just losing so you know what happened? finally after the grandson was no longer, the grandson was going through the same problem. When he was no longer, when the Fords were actually no longer in leadership, somebody took over and knew what he said. I want you to try this out. I want you to try this out. You look like someone who would do well in this area. I want you you go over here? He began to empower people. And you know what happened? Fords' profits begin to rise up again. This man was secure. This man was secure. In order to be indispensable in your leadership, in your influence, be dispensable. Give yourself away. And you will see that by your empowering of others and giving people opportunities, you will become indispensable. This man gets everybody working. This man gets everybody involved. This man gets everyone working and doing all sorts of things. In fact, if I'm not creating more work for this congregation, you should fire me. You should tell the conference you need to fire Arnel. He's not creating enough work for us. Absolutely. Absolutely. If my job, if I am failing in creating work for this church, if we're just going to be stagnant, then you need to fire me. You need to tell the, the conference to fire me. Because as a job of the pastor, I am to create more work and more opportunities for the people of God. And as I spread it out, you guys are to spread it out to others and empower them as well. And it just goes on from there to there. It's the only pyramid, I don't want to call it scheme, schema that actually works. You empower one, they empower another, and they empower another, and they empower another. And all of a sudden, your leadership is being modeled over and over again, and people will not forget what you have done because of your ability to empower others. Folks, in your ministries, be secure. So what if someone does a better job than you? You don't need to get angry. You need to praise the Lord. He's brought a successor. Amen? He has brought a successor. And folks, this is so exciting because God wants to empower more people and He wants us to empower others and give them opportunities and chances and knowing full well they're going to fail. But as you continue to encourage them, they're going to grow into powerful people. And even as Ellen White says about Elisha, she says that even people can be better than their predecessors if they learn from their ways. Even greater than their predecessors. And finally, folks, the law of sacrifice. The greater the leadership, the greater should be the sacrifice. The greater should be the sacrifice. If God has called you to be a leader, and by the way, who has He called to be leaders? He has called everybody to be leaders in this Seventh-day Adventist movement. And folks... God calls us to be sacrificial, to give time and effort, influence. Stop looking at ministries as something you're forced to do. Stop looking at the things that God calls you to do as something grievous. Look at it as something, a holy sacrifice that you can offer God and throw your whole heart and mind and get as many people as you can to be involved in it and all of a sudden you will see what God does. God is looking for people like that. Can you say amen to that? People who are willing to lead others. Others. You can't just depend upon the elders or the pastor. God is calling every one of us to be like this. Now I want you to think about this right now. Who is somebody who you can lead? Who is somebody who you can empower? Who is somebody who you can connect with? Not just communicate at, but connect with. Who is somebody who you can develop? I want you to think about that person right now and ask yourself the question, how can I accomplish this? How can I do this? It may be somebody at work. It may be somebody in your family. Somebody in your classroom. It may be your kids. It may be your husband. It may be your wife. It may be somebody you're working with in the church. It may be the people in your ministry. It may be the most unlikeliest person. God is saying, give them a chance. Empower them. That's the type of leader that God is looking for. Someone who's willing to sacrifice everything for the cause. Can you say amen to that? How many people want to develop those things that God has called us to develop? Those powerful leadership principles. Amen? Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much. And Lord, thank you because you are the true leader of Israel. You are the true king of our church, of our movement. And Lord, we know that you're coming back soon for us. And you want us to look at the church and ministries in ways we can be a positive influence and empower others. Thank you, God, for the special calling that you could have given to angels. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse